journey series, and we won't do it again until springtime. Amen. And hopefully we'll get our building, and so we can separate how we conduct our journey series uh, where we can have um, Bible study still going on as well as our journey series going on. Amen. And so we're going to talk about giving. So we are going to start this session off and talk to you a little bit about giving. I think it's appropriate that this part of our lesson at this time of the year, amen, giving. And there are, amen, different ways to give. It's not always about the money. But it is about the money, because the money can get you in trouble. Hallelujah. Amen. So we start out by saying in our study here that the Bible is a book about giving. Somebody say giving. Amen. I like giving, and I like to talk about giving. Um, I don't know about you, but... I like to make somebody feel good. <laughs> Just me? I like to make somebody feel good. And most of the times, the way we're going to make people feel good is giving. <laughs> uh, if you give, you will be, you'll make somebody happy. The Bible talks more about given than it does about heaven or hell. Can you believe that? Jesus taught more about giving than almost any other subject. Over half of his parables have to do with money. There are more promises in the Bible related to giving than any other subject. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 talks about that so is first corinthians 16 it, i have two versions here one um they're both in different versions than the king james version you can take a look at it as you go through why god wants me to give we ought to ask ourselves that question why does god want me to give why does he want me to give 2 Corinthians 8 and 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Somebody say giving. Giving draws us closer to God. Giving draws us closer to God. Mm -hmm. Giving draws us closer to God. Matthew 6, 21 said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
sometimes you have to stop and 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 think about what you're reading. You know, sometimes you hear things all the time and you kind of already um, made up in your mind what it means. If I have time tonight and if it work in our teaching, I will talk to you about something that I always had my own thought about it. And the other day, the Lord just kind of gave me a whole different thought about it. But where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so stop and ask yourself, what is the meaning of treasure? And usually treasure or riches, it's valuables. So where your valuables are. There will your heart be also. So the thought will be, what is the most valuable thing that you have? What is the most valuable thing you possess? And whatever that is, that's where your heart is. (laughs) Make you think a little bit when you start thinking about these simple things we've read in the scripture, right? Where your treasure is, there... Your heart will be also. And so if, if, if your treasure is your money, then that's what you'll think about a lot. That's where, that, that's where your affections and your thoughts will go quite frequently. If it's your house, same thing. If it's your job, same thing. If it's your education, same thing. And go on and on and on. Whatever is the most valuable to you, that is your treasure. And so the question is this, what treasure you have that is more valuable than your relationship with God? So if the most valuable thing you possess is your relationship with God, then your heart should be there because that's your treasure. (laughs) So when you look at it from that standpoint, you will begin to realize, oh my goodness, is that really so in my life or do I have to look a little closer? Uh huh. Wherever we put our money shows our priority. I'll mess with you a little bit. When I, when I look at the end of the year where all my money has gone, um I have I would say not would this is a fact most of my spending goes to the kingdom of God then my mortgage then probably my car whatever but if I look at my spending at the end of the year most of my money this has been going on for a long time most of my money Has gone to the kingdom of God. That's where my heart is. And so mortgage come afterwards. Car payment come afterwards. Got all other little things that come afterwards. But I'm giving you a way of looking at where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. And it's not possible To give that kind of money and be like, it's no big deal. (laughs) It's not possible to give that much to the kingdom and be like, eh, eh, just give it, uh, no big deal. Uh Uh-huh. 
This is why also, too, when it comes down to offering and giving, it's not how much you give, it's how much sacrifice you make in your giving. <laughs> yeah. it, it's not how much you give, it's the sacrifice. So, I can go around talking about how much I gave. But if it if if it's not a sacrifice, if it's not a big deal because I got a whole lot, then I don't have any right to say anything. And then someone that's struggling but gave as much as they could, and it might be little less than me in amount, but it might be more than me in sacrifice. And that's what God weighs when He weighs our giving. He's not weighing the amount. Don't get that wrong. He's not weighing the amount. He's weighing the sacrifice. All right. Giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is the antidote to materialism. And so if you are materialistic, the way to overcome that is become a really good giver. Because you can't do both. Very hard to be a great giver, but store up a whole lot of material things. What is materialism? It's get what is the opposite of getting. Giving only way I know if I am having victory over materialism. So when you give, that's the only way you will know you're having the victory over materialism. So if you like lots of pocketbooks, this is why sometimes I say, (laughs) sometimes you got to go find one of your most expensive pocketbooks and give it away. Now people like to, you know, we like to go natural all the time. I worked so hard, you won't have no idea. You know how many hours and blah, 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 blah. And, and, And again, that's how you talk to your friend. But why don't we talk to Jesus that kind of way? You know, we like to tell our friends and our buddies and all, you know, the people that understand the natural. Man, it took me probably about three months worth of paycheck to buy that Louis Vuitton. I can't give that away. All right. Let's move along. And talk some more. He says God gives us richly all things to enjoy. God has blessed you. But true living comes from giving. We make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. Got that one? So when you go to work, that's how you make your living. But your life will be a great one by what you give. So we make a living by what we get or what we receive, but we make a life by what we give. Giving strengthens my faith. Giving strengthens my faith. I remember when I realized that part of um, why the Lord said to give 
has probably nothing to do with the giving. Let me say this to you. Learn who God is. Because if you don't learn who God is, you're going to major on the minor. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you don't know who God is, you let little things start to bother you. You start majoring. Well, why is, and you start, when you learn who God is, you will realize everything he's commanding us to do, telling us to do, it's all about our relationship with him. It has nothing to do with anything else. And we're trying to break it down and trying to make it make sense and trying to say what we think the scripture is saying or not. It all, no matter what you're reading in the Bible, no matter what you understand from the Bible, it all will come down to one thing. Your relationship with God. Nothing else. Nothing else. So if we will get that, then we won't be majoring on the minor. So when someone says, well, like, we'll get to that in a second. We have some people say, well, God said, give what you can. Okay. How you know what you can and what you cannot? First thing. Because if you have it, you determine what you think you can. Do you know everything? And so... We start there. God said you can give what you can. Now, that's a lie. And we'll get the scripture. God didn't say give what you can. Mm -hmm. Giving should always be a matter of sacrifice. Should always be. When you give what you don't want, did you really give? Did you really give when you say, "Ah, I don't really need this. And so you give it. All right, so give and strengthen my faith. God wants you to give for a few reasons, but the first reason is because he wants you to trust him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. Faith is like a muscle. God uses finances to test your faith. Uh Uh-huh. Luke 16:11 says, "If there therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteousness, mammon, who will commit to you or to your trust the trust of riches?" Um So here's where I'm going to weave this thing in. I'm just talking to you tonight. Talk to me. Let's have a let's have a conversation. I was going to talk to you about this at prayer um, at our prayer breakfast Saturday morning, but this has been burning. And you all are faithful, good Christians. You're here tonight, but maybe this can help you help somebody else because it is just that important that we understand. Um. Let's see here. Let's go to Luke. Chapter 16. All right. 
I'm in Luke now. So let's look at verse 13. Verse 13. Man, this is, I can't, you know, you know, sometimes the Lord will drop something on you. And when the Lord drops something on you, it can't be easily dismissed. And he dropped this on me the other day just by sheer just me. I was just browsing through the scriptures, not even reading anything. I'm just looking through, you know, just grazing over the word of God. And this just became like big and bold. And then he just started working me over with it. Luke 16 verse 13 says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one. And love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hmm. So, here's how he started working me over. So he says, no servant. So the first thing you got to stop and say is, okay, servant. He didn't say no man. Because most of us quote and say, man, he said, no servant. If you are a servant, it means you have a master. If you are a servant, it means you have a master. And so the Bible says, no servant can serve two masters. Clear there. So servant, masters. And so I started looking at that. I said, okay. So. Whatever we serve, it is our master. Whoever we serve, he or she is our master. Because it says no servant can serve two masters. So a servant is going to have a master. Whoever you're serving is your master. So it says either he will Love the one and hate the other. Or he will despise the one, hold, the, hold to the other, whatever it says. Um, so I'm looking at that and I'm pondering, I'm asking the Lord questions in my mind. And so the first thing we got to garner from that is we're servants and whatever we're serving is our master. Whoever we're serving is our master. But here is the caveat. You can't have two masters. No matter what, you cannot have two masters because God says you can only serve one. So here's what he started working me over now. We, we tried to have more than one. Us as people tried to have more than one master and so we try our best to serve multiple masters but god said you can only have one master so no matter what you think and no matter how good you are and no matter how much you work it the best way you can you can only have one master so even though we might feel like I'm doing a pretty good job, you know, serving the Lord and doing my other stuff, you're serving one master. 
So you got to now pay attention to yourself and say, okay, let me be honest with myself now. So the Lord took it a step further. And this is the revelation he dropped in my spirit. One of the reasons why people start criticizing the church was because of this text right here. The revelation he gave me was because you can't serve two masters and you're trying your very best to serve two masters and it won't work. At some point in time, because you can't serve two masters, you're going to hate one. You're going to despise one and hold to the other. Because you can't have two masters. So no matter how much you're working it, you can't do it. So what starts happening is the one that's the real master, you start holding to that master. You start liking that master. And the only way you cannot, well, now that you're, you're holding to this master and you're not serving that master, you have to justify why you're not serving that other master. Yeah, they're too strict in that church. Yeah, they just, I don't know, their worship is too outlandish. Yeah, it's too long. And we go on and on and on about church. But the Lord just showed me the other day, it's because they're trying to serve more than one master. I said, stop it, Jesus. They're trying to serve more than one master. So because it's not possible, because God said it's not, they're eventually going to start serving the one that they want to serve. But in order to feel decent about that, you're going to have to criticize the other master. So if you want to go natural, let's just go regular master. Regular. Uh, you're a slave and you got a master over you. The one that you hold to, you're going to say, well, you might say he's mean, but he treat me okay. But that master over there, he don't treat his people good at all. You see what I'm saying? So whoever you start rolling with, you have to justify why you're rolling with that one. So that's why we end up criticizing the church when we decide that we're not saying it. We're not saying it. But technically, when we decide that we're going to do our own thing, we have to criticize the church some way because that's the only way that makes you feel okay of doing your own thing because you can't serve two masters. So, of course, I'm deep. So I said, Lord, people have to work. I'm talking for y'all now. People got to work. People got things they got to do. Then he dropped the scripture that one of my favorite scripture. Colossians. Somebody get Colossians for me. Colossians chapter 3. Is it verse 16 or 17? Read it out loud for me if you can get it. Which one? Get it for me. Get it, get, get, get it for me. Let, let me hear it from the verbatim. Because that's what he lit me up with when I say, God, what about people that got to work hard? What about people that got stuff they got to do? That's kind of like being a slave to what they got to do. Yes. So he gave me that piece. So here is what he's saying. So we don't have any excuse. He is saying... You only have one master. And if you choose me to be your master, then you can't have any other masters. 
But God, I got to work. So how am I going to be a faithful servant to you when I have my job, God? How am I going to be a faithful servant to you, God, when I got family and all this stuff? And he pointed me to that scripture. He says, see, y'all work y'all jobs for y'all. Y'all do y'all family thing for y'all. And he's just started running down. Everything you do is for you. So that's why it becomes a master to you. But if you will do this, then you're going to have one master. So if Jesus Christ is your master, and when you go to work, you step in and say, today, I'm going to reach somebody for Jesus. When you go to work, the way I'm going to do my job, they're going to look at me and say, what is it about them doing there? When I go to work today, I am going to be so full of the Holy Ghost that it's just going to just rub off on somebody. When I go to my job today, whatever email I got to type is going to be so sweet that they're going to like, man, this. So the job that you do, you ain't supposed to be working for your boss. The job that you do, you're not working for that company. The job you do, you're doing it unto the Lord. So the Lord clearly made it, he made it clear, clear to me that if I'm your master, then everything you do in word and in deed, you do it unto me and not unto no company, no person, no money, no nothing. You do it unto me and that's how you make me your master. I said, stop it, Jesus. Because anything that keeps us controlled, it is our master. And whether you like it or not, I'm just telling you. So if Jesus control you, he's your master. If, the, if, if seeking after money, working your job control you, then that's your master. If your spouse control you, that's your master. If your children control you, go on and on and on. But if Jesus control you, then everything you do, you do it unto him. Because he's your master. Isn't that interesting? Y'all quiet. Y'all quiet. This is just my thing God gave me. And I, I can't get I can't get from it. I can't get away from it. I'm like, leave me alone, Lord. I can't get away from this. It's just amazing to me. You know how many times I read that text and it never came across like that? I read that text so many times. No man can serve two master. And everybody, like when I mentioned it, I mentioned it with my family on um, family devotion night. And, and, and Shaim said, yeah, you can't, you can't serve God and be in the world. That was my first instinct. Yeah, and it's true. But he just took me a little further to explain to me that people are trying to do it. And because it's not possible, because I said it's not possible, they start criticizing my church because they're holding to what's their real master. Because they can't hold to their real master and not criticize the church. Because if you think the church is great and the church is wonderful and God is in it and God is the head and God is blessing, then God's going to say, well, why aren't the church where you are? And you won't have an explanation for that. So in order to not be here, you got to have some kind of criticism. But what you're really saying is, I've got a, another master. Jesus is not my master. i got a different master. That's what you're really saying. That's the word of God. That's not the pastor's word. Don't, don't worry. I love you. 
God love you too, so I better not say it like that. But, but, but I love you, and I'm a little bit easier than God. God can't change his word. You know? And so what his word is, that's his word. And so no man can serve two masters. D- different look at that scripture now. Uh-huh. I rem- I got, we've got a friend named Brother Aber. This is Brother Aber. He loved to talk to people about Jesus. And one day Brother Aber was driving his little trailer truck. Not a trailer truck. One of those little, one of the homes. And he was driving because he was evangelizing. And he drove, 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 driving cross country, and it broke down. And he couldn't start it up. It couldn't go. Brother Aber say, this is, this is so good. Brother Aber say, devil, if you want to mess with me, you're not going to like me. And Brother Aber says, if, if this is you messing with my truck, I'm going to make you miserable. Brother Aber got out of his truck. He says, every time the devil mess with him, because this is something that he does now. He said, every time the devil mess with me, I'm going to reach five people. He got out of his truck, started talking, hey, you know anything about Jesus? And he just went to town. Before you know, people was giving their life to God. And he would just talk to the devil all the time. Devil, you better not let my truck break down. Because if this truck break down, everybody I encounter, where it break down, they getting saved. And it's not, he did it. Aber has been doing this for a long time. And Aber really does. He's a chaplain in a hospital and he has a great church um, over there in um, Las Vegas, Nevada. And so you got to realize that the devil is trying to get us to come on his side. But we got to make sure we realize that God is my master. This is why some people are afraid to use that word, master. I pray. I say it, master. I'm okay with it because what I know is if Jesus Christ is not your master, something else is. You can be cool and say, not me. I'll go as far as to tell you, okay, even if you don't want to identify something as being your master, you can be your own master. And my question is, can you give yourself eternal life? Can you make yourself have good health? Can you save yourself from dying? Just want to know. So even if you won't pinpoint something and says this, this, or that, that, then it could be you. And then now the question is, since you're your own master, can you keep yourself from getting sick? Can you keep yourself from dying? And on and on and on and on. Can you bless yourself? Because it all depends on what you call blessings. All right. I move forward. Know why a lot of people don't give? I'm going to change the answer because they have on here, believe, they just don't trust. Why people don't give? They just don't trust. That's why they don't give. I mean, you, you can probably get some more answers from that, but the bottom line is they're not trusting God. Giving is an investment for eternity. Giving is an investment for eternity. Giving blesses us 
in return. Giving blesses us in return. Ready for this one? Giving makes me happy. I don't know if that's everybody. <laughs> You're not giving up those nice Jimmy Choo shoes. My wife probably would give up the Jimmy Choo. She says Jimmy Choo, Jimmy Choo not comfortable. So she'll probably give up the Jimmy Choo. But if you're a Jimmy Choo um, lady and you like Jimmy Choo shoes, you're not giving it up. And so that's not going to make you happy. (laughs) No, even if they have two pairs in the closet, Brother Tom, you don't like to give up the nice stuff. When When we're giving anything away, let's be honest. We're in the house of the Lord. When we get ready to give up anything, we put the nice things to the side and all the other stuff. We say, yeah, I need to get rid of this. And then you give it passing off like you're doing something nice when really I need to get rid of this. Uh It wasn't because you was like, oh, this is um, my favorite shoes or my favorite jacket or my favorite pocketbook. No, it was something you need to get rid of. Uh All right, listen to this one. This is going to mess with you. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. So giving should make you happy. And I, I love when somebody, when I can make somebody happy by giving them something. When you give, two people are happy. Uh-huh. But when you take, who knows? I need my glasses. Call Carl Menninger. One of the top psychiatrists in the nation said, giving is a criterion of mental health. Listen up. Giving is a criterion of mental health. Listen to what it says. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. The healthier you are, the more unafraid you are to give away. The more you hold things in and are afraid to give away, that's an indication that there is fear in your life. Uh huh. Fear you go broke. I don't fear going broke. I don't live this long. How can I go broke? I'll be all right. Not to mention, I know Jesus will take care of me. I'm not fearful. Just love the Lord, serve Him, and store up treasures in heaven. What does the Bible teach about tithing? What is tithing? Tithe means a Tenth, and let me change that. Tithe means the first tenth. Tithing is the first ten percent of any increase that you receive. Tithing is the first ten percent of any increase. So, if, if somebody give you ten dollars, then the first dollar should be tithed. Unto the Lord. <laughs> the 
that's where we get we 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 start getting challenged. Yes, sir. I don't know if that's gonna work, man. That's your glasses. <laughs> Let's see. No, they don't work, Brother Scarlett. They got they got they got they they was going crossways. Woo! You got some medicine in that thing, man. No. Jordan, get my glasses for me. Please. Um, so tithing is the first 10%. It's No, no, no. It's in the kitchen on the counter. Giving less than 10% is not tithing. So if you have $10 and you give 50 cents, I gave. That's not tithing. Uh-huh. What's the difference between tithe and offering? Tithe is giving the first 10% of any income, and offering is anything I give in addition to the tithe. We can trust him to find anything because he pays attention to everything. Things he doesn't need to pay attention to, he pays attention to it. So tithing is the first 10%. Offering is anything come after that. Why should I tithe? Because God commands it. Just like how God commanded us to pray, he commanded us to give tithe. Just like God commanded us to be born again, he commanded us to give tithe. Leviticus 27.30, a tenth of all your produce is the Lord's. And it is holy. Mm. Malachi 3 and 10. Bring all the tithes. The whole tenth of your income. Into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And prove me now. Buy it. Says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven. For you. And pour you out a blessing. That there shall not be room enough. To receive it. Now, that scripture went on for the Lord. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer, the canker worm, the palmer worm. He started saying all that he will rebuke. And what I learned over the years about tithing, when the Lord went on to say about the things that he will rebuke, what I learned was when you tithe, God prevents you from spending unnecessary money. That That's kind of one of the main way of how it work. And you don't know what's unnecessary money. You don't know that. Because only God will let you, can reveal to you whether it's unnecessary. What do you mean by that, preacher? You can be going down a street with nails in your with nails all over the street and your four tires are going to get burst and they're not new, so you're going to have to buy them cuz there's no warranty on them. And you're going down the street and all of a sudden, you just hear, a, a, or you just get a thought that says, turn left. And you say, I don't even know why I'm turning left. And you just turn down the street. The Lord just saved you $1,000. But you don't know. You have no clue that he just saved you $1,000. That's because you tied. Right? So that's one just instant. Another instant about, it can just be stuff in your home. You know? You need a new roof. It's going to cost you $15,000. 
And all of a sudden, a friend of yours opened up a business. Oh, I'm a roofer now. Oh, I can do that for you for 3500 You just got saved over $10,000. But you don't know. When you tithe, God will rebuke the devourer that he won't devour stuff of yours, that he won't take stuff from you. That's what he does when you tithe. And then on top of it, he can give you, pour out blessings, financial blessings upon you that you have room enough, that you don't have room enough to receive. So when we tithe, God is working in the background and we don't understand it. So a lot of times it's not because God wants your money. God is trying to help you understand a principle and giving you the opportunity to be blessed. Tithing demonstrate that God has first place in your life. Tithing, this is why it's the first tenth. You want God to be first, and you know I use that loosely, because God needs to be the center of your life. He needs to be the one that controls your life. But for this particular case, first meaning you should never give to anyone before you give to God. So when you get paid, you shouldn't be trying to pay bills before you give to God. And I'm always looking for ways to understand the things of God. And so when I first got that, you know what's the first thing I thought about? Why I don't have a problem making sure God get his first? Because what they take out of your paycheck before you get it. So the government, Uncle Sam, they decide, I'm taking what I want. So why am I going to struggle to give God the first tenth? I'm not struggling when man already took what they wanted. I'm not struggling with that. So I always challenge myself with the scriptures, what it says, and say, how am I looking at it? Because I don't want to look at it um, to, to, to look for the negative. I'm looking at it for the positive, for the things that are good for me. I can say God is first place in my life, but there are two things you can look at that will tell you what is really first place. The way I use my money and the way I use my time. So the way you use your money and the way you use your time will tell you if God is first in your life. I want to thank God. I want to, I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is first in my life. I don't know if you all know that. That's a popular statement that people make. I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is the head, the first of my life. You hear people say that all the time? We need to say at that point in time, what's your checkbook and your time looking like? Because if he's first and we can't tell in your money and we can't tell in your time, then you just told a big fat lie. Tithing reminds me that everything was given to me by God. Did we understand this? Um, that God owns everything. And so even though you can say you went and work and earn God owns you, he owns the life in your body, and he owns that money that you just earned. So how can we ever justify never doing what God says when he says, I own the breath that you breathe, I own who you are, and I own the things that you're striving to obtain? Those are things that you just think about to realize, what am I worrying about? Let me just do what he wants me to do. All right. Almost there. 
God says that refusing to tithe is stealing from him. Man, I didn't know we can steal from God. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. How can we steal from God? Well, when you don't give him what belongs to him, you're stealing. Mm-hmm. Tithing gives God a chance to prove he exists and wants to bless you. So the big thing about financial blessing is this. The only way you will be blessed financially by God is if you give financially the way God said to give to him. It's the only way. Is there reciprocity in life that if I give that I will receive? Yes. But that's not God. What do you mean by that, preacher? Let me, let me clarify. So if I don't tithe, I don't tithe. But I give a little offering here and there. Or I give the people. Am I going to get? Yes. Because given it shall be given. In anything. That's the law of reciprocity. You can give. And because you give, you'll receive. But God is not doing that. That's just the law of reciprocity working. So, for instance, if I treat you nice, somebody will treat me nice. It's the law of reciprocity. It had nothing to do with God. God already established that law. So it's like, it's like spinning a wheel and the wheel is in motion and there's nothing you can do about it. So whatever we do, it will be done unto us, good or bad. So that's not God. But when I tithe like God command, and when I give offering like God command, then I can expect financial blessings from God. See the difference? You can do whatever you want to do, and you will receive the same. Whatever you give, you'll receive the same. Because that's just the law that God established. But if you want God to bless you financially then you're going to have to obey what he said. Yes, sir. That's not a covenant because it didn't take two of us. It didn't take anything um, 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 for him to do it. Covenant is an agreement that he does and we have to do for something to happen. But, but, but when we're talking about given it shall be given, that's just something that he did without anything that we do. He didn't need us to do that. He's just saying, that's what I'm going to do. If you will be kind, somebody will be kind to you. If you will give, somebody will give to you. If you will teach, somebody will teach you. That's just the law that he established, and that can't be changed. But that doesn't mean it's him that's doing that. You follow what I'm saying? It's just something that's already in place that will happen because he said that. Right? It's just like what he says. If you... Live by the gun, you're going to die by the gun, right? So if you're killing people, you're going to get killed the same way. So, so those are just things that is the law of reciprocity, how God put it in order. But to receive financial blessings from the Lord, you have to tithe and you have to give offering. That's his way of blessing his people. Because the other way, people can, if you want to call it blessing, people can receive blessings, but it's not from him. Remember I told you that people can come to church and feel blessed, but it's not because God is doing it. 
So the example that he always gives us is this. I reign from heaven on the just and the unjust alike. So if an evil man plants a crop and he needs to grow, and a godly man plants a crop and he needs rain for it to grow, when the rain comes down, who gets the rain? But one is evil, though. But they both got it, right? So that's what I'm trying to say to you. There's certain things that happen that has nothing to do with because God is doing it. It just happened. But if you want God to do something in your life, you got to obey what God says. <laughs> All right. Tithing proves that I really love God. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh-huh. Where should I tithe? Bring your whole tithe to my storehouse. I should tithe where I worship. I should tithe where I worship. I've had people in the past that says, I sent my tithes to that place. Um, I said, well, why don't you just go there and worship? It don't make sense. If, if wherever you pay your tithes, you worship there. That's that's how it's supposed to work. So that's where you're supposed to give your tithes. When should I tithe? Hey. <laughs> we should tithe the first day of the week. What's the first day of the week? Uh huh. First fruit, first day of the week. So when we get paid, whatever that is, that don't mean you have to um, do it on Sundays, okay? You get paid on a Thursday because I'm reading your mind. So you get, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burst your bubble with this real quick, though. If you tithe, let me stop here so you know I'm done. If you tithe, you're supposed to handle your money right. And so you should be able to withstand, to wait till Sunday to tithe. But because we're not handling our money right, we get paid on Thursday. We said, let me go get my tithe Thursday online so I can start spending my money Friday. But if you're handling your money right, you can wait till Sunday because you had some money that carried you over. As a matter of fact, as we've learned in one of our classes at CSTI, Really, we should only live on at the at the very highest. We should only live by 75% of what we earn at the highest. You really, the best way to go is try to live off of 50% of what you earn. Now, that would be perfect. If you can live off 50% of what you earn, you are living life. But... 70, 75% is what you should be living off. How can you say that, preacher? Because what you want to do is tithe 10%, offering 5%, and give yourself for savings 10%. If you really want to live the life God wants you to live. So you're supposed to give him your first, his first tenth, that's due to him, 5% offering, and another 10% you're supposed to be saving. 
put your 10% away. That's your savings. And now the 75% can pay your bills, food shopping, you know, all the stuff that you need. That's really how we're supposed to live as Christians. Uh-huh. But if you really want to kill it, 50%, which means everybody got to downsize their houses and cars and all of that stuff. That's what it would mean. Say again. No, I'm just saying it. We can live. We can live how we need to live if we want to live it. Whether you're living like that, whether you're making that money or not. Yeah, it, it, we're gonna we're gonna call it inconvenience. But let me give you something to think about. Years ago, a lot of homes only had one car. Do you want me to get started? Years ago, many homes, one car, and it wasn't new. Some homes, no car. Did they live? What did they struggle with? They was fine. So you got that. So check most of us now how many cars we got. I'm just saying we can do it. We just don't want to hear it. We, we just don't want to hear it. Then we can go to, okay, you know, we got a nice big house. Do you want to go with the nice big house or do you want to go pay rent for a two-bedroom? You can do it. Because I know if I get a two-bedroom and pay rent, you know, bunk bed for the kids, you know, two-bedroom. Yeah, come on, I'm just saying. If we do that, man, we can live off 50% of the salary. Get rid of all these video games. One car. Oh, man, we can live the life. And not even a new car either. A used Toyota Corolla. Because it will drive, it will never stop driving. So I'm just, I'm just telling you, we can do it, but we're not doing it. And so it might sound like foreign to us. It's not foreign. If we really want to, we can. This is why 90% of the world think all of you all in here tonight is rich. I'm just telling you, that, I don't know if you know that too. 90% of the world right now, they, you all are rich to them. 90% of the world, you all are rich to them. So we want to make it like, you know, it's hard and we, eh, you know, and all. <laughs> you don't want to know the truth. But the truth will make you free. <laughs> oh, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. As we go from this place, bless us, Lord. Lord, we're so grateful that we can celebrate this season for we celebrate this season because we celebrate your birth. And, Lord, we're so grateful that you came in the flesh. You came, Lord God, and gave your life that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Lord Jesus, we can't imagine all the things that you went through to come into this world, but you did because you love us so. Lord, I pray that the love of God will be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost and that we can share the love of God with all we encounter Throughout this holiday season and even into the new year, we want to spread the love that's within us that you have caused to be in us because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Lord, bless us as we go to our respective places dwelling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.